is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For part one with Rashad V. Chambers, we talk about it all. His journey in studying to be a lawyer, to producing, and of course, Esquire Entertainment, and Ain't Too Proud, which just reopened. So I hope you enjoy this part one with Rashad V. Chambers. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe, and today with me on Zoom is Rashad V. Chambers. Rashad, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. This conversation couldn't come at a better time. I think we're, what, three days away from the reopening of Ain't Too Proud? And with everything else we coming back... We are indeed. With everything else coming back to Broadway, it's just, it's so exciting. And before we talk about what you're currently involved in, um, let's take it back to the beginning of time. What, for you, what, what were your entertainment dreams growing up? Growing up, interesting. I don't know that I had any growing up. I think that they really um, formed as an adult, but I, I really got sort of entrenched in the arts because my cousin is an actress. And so that's when I learned about theater and would go see a lot of shows. Um, but I always wanted to be a lawyer, so I didn't really have showbiz ambitions, but I liked studying theater as a hobby. Where, so I kind of did that throughout most of my childhood and my, my early adulthood. Where did your love of law come from? Probably a lot of Matlock and Perry Mason because I'm the first lawyer in my family. So I think I just like the, the idea of being a lawyer and sort of all of the intellectual things that went along with it. And then once I got into high school, I joined the mock trial team. And that's when I really started to understand more about what it meant and um, started putting the wheels in motion to, to make that dream come true. Was there ever a, a different path in your mind to take professionally or was it always law? It was always law. Yeah. How about um, with your parents? What did they teach you about work ethic? Oh, you know, I'm so grateful for for my upbringing because they just taught me to work hard. And as long as I worked hard and was doing my best, they were happy with that. And I remember my mom saying, you know, if you get all B's and you've worked, you know, your butt off, then I'm happy with that. Hmm. But if you, you get all B's and you did nothing, then we're going to have a problem. And so I just learned that, you know, work ethic is so important and really being conscientious about whatever you're doing. Um, it's just imperative for, for every walk of life. And I was really blessed that they pursued my wild dreams and really just said, you know, no matter what you do, as long as you do with with integrity, you'll be successful, whether that's being a lawyer or a garbage man or you know, an artist, like they were just supportive of whatever I did as long as that I was happy and I was doing it to my fullest potential. I love that concept with the B's because I think perfectionism, you know, and getting that A can keep people from even trying their best with, you know, a fear. I know. I know. And that's something that I've really worked hard at and really tried to, to articulate that to the people in my own social network is that, you know, don't get in your own way and be afraid of trying things because you're afraid of rejection or afraid of failure, failing, because I believe you can't fail as long as you try. Hmm. I love that. Cause it's such a cliche phrase, you know, don't get, don't let yourself get in your own way. Don't let yourself. Yeah. But the, once you fully understand that 
Was there a, right. a moment for you understanding that, or was that just your mother repeating it, and it's always just always been in your brain? It's sort of always been in my brain because I come from a very supportive family. So the foundation was just there to always just fly, and I never believed that there wasn't anything that I could do. Mm-hmm. Now, there are things that I'm bad at, but there are always things that I would be willing to try because I think the growth is in you know the journey. Same question with the parents. What did they teach you about kindness? Just to be a good person and to always give people a chance. You know, a lot of times growing up, we would have, you know, just little banters and bickering like with friends and like, you know, teasing each other. And and they didn't like that. You know, they thought, you know, you should be uplifting people as opposed to tearing them down. So... Mm -hmm. It's just the constant reminders to sort of speak life and to really be affirming as opposed to um, just being negative. And and this is something that I think still rings true to this day. I really try hard to only post positive things, especially on social media. I think it's very easy for people to, to hide behind a keyboard and mm-hmm. post things on Facebook or Twitter that, you know, you know, just are not positive. So I, I think there's enough negativity in the world. So I really try to use those platforms um, just for more positive things. Yeah. It's also amazing though. What you give out, you generally get back. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> so, I agree. Um, studying, studying law. What was this journey here? Cause I really want to connect these dots to yeah, inter- absolutely. entertainment. What was that, you know, what was the decision of your specific area of study going to university and yeah, so I was a very, um, I, I'll say mature 17 year old. And because I was the first lawyer in my family, um, I knew that, you know, there wasn't anyone that was going to take care of me out of college, you know. Um, so I majored in business in college because I thought, well, if I don't get in a law school right away, at least I can get a job. Hmm. And I felt like I'd be more marketable than majoring in history or English. So I majored in business administration in college. And while I was there, I I studied, I still continued studying theater as a hobby. Um, I went to Morehouse College in Atlanta, which is a liberal arts school. So freshman year, you kind of had to take two of everything, uh, two math, two sciences, two English classes, including two physical education classes. So I took tennis my first semester. And I took tap my second semester. And so um, I was always sort of entrenched in some form of the arts. And then I would go to the library multiple times a week and study. And I would take my accounting and my econ and my stuff with me. And then every hour I would take a break and like I do accounting. Then I go to the stacks and read a scene from Fences. Then I do my, my stats and I come back and then read a scene from Gypsy. So I was always studying as a hobby and I would read playbill.com every morning to start my day. I, I love that. So what did it look like? What did it look like after graduation? What was that? What was that path for you as you? Yeah. So then after, once I graduated, I knew that I was going to the Ohio state university for law school. Mm -hmm. And so I started there um, right after college. And then while I was, when I got there, I knew that I also wanted to apply to the MBA program. So I did their joint degree JD MBA program that for four years after college. And while I was there, um, 
that's sort of when the producing aspirations really started to come to fruition. Like I had the idea in college, but it really came to life in law school. And the goal was when I graduated, I decided I was going to move to New York and I was going to be lawyer by day, producer by night, and just try to learn as much as I could about the industry. And I would practice for, you know, three to five years and then I would transition into producing. Didn't quite work out that way, but I I had a version of that. What was that? Was there a specific moment at Ohio State where you were deciding, oh, oh, this is definitely, I'm going to, I'm definitely going to take a look at producing here. Was there like a, a moment? Um, not a specific moment. I just think that as I was there, I knew I wanted to be a lawyer, but I also knew that I had more to give than just being that. And so I really prayed for a career that would allow me to infuse the three things that I love, which were, which are law, business, and entertainment. And so as I, um, would make frequent trips to New York throughout that time. I would save all of my programs for the Broadway shows that I saw. And then I would sort of just glance at these producer bios and wonder what they did. And as I started researching all the facets of being a producer, that is sort of when the idea really came about that, oh, this is something I can do. I can do the creative stuff, but then I can also um, handle the the contracts and the negotiations and all of those things. So I would say it was probably about halfway through law school that I really started um, thinking about it seriously. And it was always New York because live theater was the love. Yes. Yes. Theater is my first love. Although yeah. now I, I definitely have aspirations to do TV and film as well, but I just love the idea of creating something from page to stage. Yeah. I love that. Did, did you, do you have mentors? I do, yes. Um, I was very, very fortunate to meet two amazing men um, pretty early on in my um, New York tenure, we'll call it. Um, (laughs) And I'm so grateful of them, Um, Greg Shafford and Jason Raitt, who are both Broadway producers, always took, you know, this starry-eyed, you know, young man under their wings and would meet me for lunch or breakfast and just let me pick their brains. And um, I'm still in contact with them and talk to them pretty often. So um, yeah, they were very, very, um, they were just a blessing during that time. Are there any, or were there any standout lessons that they've taught you or communicated? Nothing specific, but it was just really about the journey Mm. and how to go about creating art, how to make good decisions, how to align yourselves with the right people. Um, just so that you can be doing the best work possible. And a a lot of it is really being able to, to trust the people that you're working with as, as a co-producer on Broadway, your boss is essentially the lead producer or the Mm -hmm. general partner and the entire show rests on their shoulders. Mm -hmm. They're essentially like the CEO, CEO of the production. And so everything, every decision really comes from them how long the show should run, what theater you should go in. Should you do a New York Times ad? Should you do a radio ad? You know, if the show's not doing well, do you close it? Or do you take out a priority loan to keep it going to make it through Tony season? You know, Mm -hmm. all of those things. And so you want to really make sure that you're working with people who have the business savvy to make those decisions. So I think all of those things combined are what we would talk about and um, it really just helped me try to figure out my path, my path in. 
you know, this is another question that I was going to ask, and I think we've gotten to it at this point, are relationships, professional relationships in the industry. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm curious how you cultivate them and go about choosing, you know, with whom you work or do your work with, you know? Yes. Slow and steady wins the race. <laughs> um, it's really just about meeting people and being sort of entrenched in the industry, going to events, going to readings, going sure. to workshops, new work, and um, really just taking the time to get to know people when you don't need anything. You know, there are a lot of conversations that happen over drinks or coffee or at opening night parties. Um, so that's really how I did it. Mm. And then early on, I was lucky enough to have the financial means to, to sort of produce my own readings. And mm. through that, I was able to invite industry people and they got to see my work ethic and my work product and really just sustained and maintained those relationships. And that's ultimately how I was able to start producing on Broadway by doing those sort of smaller events, smaller projects um, that got me into some, some bigger doors. And how has your taste evolved in what (laughs) you want to work on? It's always been pretty eclectic, so it really just comes down to um, a few a few things like how does the piece move me, and what's the co- commercial viability for it, and who's working on it. Um, so I think it's pretty consistent, but I just think that I have access to, we'll say, better material now. Okay, sure, sure, sure. Um, communicating, how have you how have you gotten better at communicating? It's always one of my few gifts. Uh, so I think it's it's really a matter of understanding your audience and who you're communicating with mm. and understanding how to properly reach that person or those persons. So for example, you know, some people are really great at email. Some people are better at phone calls. Um, some people are better in person. Like I have an investor who does not do well with phone or email. So I know that I will, I will call him, but it may take a couple of times before I can finally reach him. And I know that about him. So I'm always patient. I know I will eventually get a hold of him, but um, it's, it's a process. So I think that enhanced communication just comes down to understanding people and understanding how they um, need to be um, contacted and communicated with. Okay. Now tied into communicating, I know is a lot of asking questions and I'm curious, how have your questions evolved or gotten better or changed? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think really by asking a lot more empowering questions, which, you know, um, is more about the how or the why or, or the what, as opposed to just asking, asking of yes or no questions, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. try to get more information by saying, oh, how does that work? Or what does that look like? As opposed to saying, do you want to do this? Mm-hmm. You know, how would this process be? Or or what would we do in order to, to achieve this goal? And so for me, I found that's effective because you just get more out of people and get a little bit more buy-in during the process. 
You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.